We so often look at North Carolina's offense and what they're doing or not doing, fast break, secondary break, all of that. But Pat Kilby and I noticed some new potential defensive wrinkles on Friday night in the exhibition game that could indicate a change when Carolina's opponent has the ball. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, November 1st, 2023, All Saints Day. Hope you all had a great time trick-or-treating last night and ate way too much candy and you're having a sugar coma this morning. Welcome in to the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shane. Joining me is our guy, Pat Kilby. Trick-or-treating's over. Our kids are in bed. We're ready to record this thing. We want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listener watch of the day to get the very best Tar Heels content out there. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. Pack, we're just a couple days away from tip-off of the regular season. Our Discord is heating up, man. People are talking in there all day long. Folks, if you'd love to come be part of the Locked on Tar Heels Discord community and hang out with all of us, Pack and I are both in there, along with all sorts of other Tar Heels fans. The link is in the show notes. Look in there. Come join us. We'd love to have you. Pack, coming up on the show today, I'm going to get your takeaways from the exhibition win last weekend. I've already given mine on the show, but I know folks are champing at the bit to get yours as well. And then you and I later on are going to give a bold prediction ahead of the season because this is the last time you're on the show before Carolina tips off against Radford. But before we get to that, Pac, here we were watching this uh, exhibition win on Friday night. And I, I just throughout the course of the game, I started noticing, hey, you know what? Carolina's garden ball screen's a little bit different. I texted you about it. And you're like, yeah. And here's something else I noticed. And then you proceeded to talk some about some post-defense differences that you were seeing. And so, Pac, First off, let's talk about what these changes were. And then I want to kind of postulate on, is this a long-term change for the Tar Heels or maybe just something they were tinkering with in their exhibition game? So start by talking about what you were seeing Armando Baycott doing in the post. Yeah, so the one of the first things that stood out to me was post-defense. And the the thing that stood out to me was that he was fronting the post and just trying to make it where they couldn't make a direct entry into the post. They would have to throw it over the top of him. And that can get really challenging, especially with a guy like Baycott, who's big and strong and is able to use his body to push posts underneath the basket. You know, you start thinking about throwing it in, and there's a backboard in the way. Plus, you've got a six foot ten guy that's in the way, and you've got to really thread the needle if you're going to get a pass in there. And so that stood out to me. And then the fact that he was fronting the post typically means in man-to-man defense that um, we're going to do or employ some type of no-middle defense. And the reason that you would want your post in front for that is so that he is able to step off of his man um, if someone is beat off of the drive and use his length. Where So if someone is driving the lane or the baseline, he is able to step up and contest and they're forced to finish over your big men. And um, essentially that's what's going on there. And so 
when I was seeing that, I was, you know, very encouraged uh, because that is one of the changes uh, I've mentioned on here in the past and just uh, mentioned on social media and thought to myself, we definitely need to make is uh, not allowing middle drives, middle penetration, um, stop allowing teams to change sides of the floor comfortably. Yeah, yeah. And so for us to have that scheme is just, it's great. Well, I think that clearly means that Coach Davis has been tuning in to your social media, and that's why the, that's why they were doing this on Friday night. That's, 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 that's clearly it. Um, no, Pac, I mean, this is great, and we've seen, A, in this day and age, ball carriers have – or ball carriers, ball handlers have so much more freedom now uh, with the way fouls are adjudicated and all this that it's so much more difficult to stay in front of your man. Beyond that, secondly, Carolina guards have just had trouble – staying in front of their man when he has the ball in recent years. And so um, making a shift of this nature that allows more help in that regard has to be a win. Now, Pac, here's the question that I think a lot of people would naturally ask next. If, you know, Mondo's getting that front, the, the entry pass is much more difficult. Right, sure, great. But if Mondo helps up on a ball handler who gets into the lane and leaves his guy more open, how do you get help rotations following up down into the post if Mondo has to step up? What's that look like? Well, that's something that we call help the helper. And it's one of the most difficult things uh, to just uh, to employ just like consistently. It's so hard to do because there's so much movement and so many things as far as, um, you know, where your defenders are and what, offenses are dictating them, you know, to get them where they want to go. So it's harder for them to help the helper. And so there's a lot of things going on. But essentially, if Armando helps off, someone's got to slide over and help him. That's called helping the helper. Um, and that just comes through repetition, repetition, repetition. And it's very, very important that it happens, not just so that they don't dump it off to Armando's man and he shoots a wide open layup or has a wide open dunk. But also, if that person shoots the basketball, there's got to be someone there to help block out and someone there around the rim to help rebound the basketball. And so um, rotations are key. But the positive to the no middle defense is it's supposed to make it tougher for teams to change sides of the floor. So essentially, if you drew a line down the middle of the court from the baseline to the half court and we kept them on one half of the floor, then we would have less rotations, which makes it easier for us to adjust to the offense, makes it tougher for them to get to the paint, tougher for them to do what they want to do. And we are all always in position uh, to rotate, to rebound, to do all those things. So there's a lot of uh, dictating that goes to it. And it's, you know, it's like you mentioned, we've struggled to guard the basketball in the past couple of years. Uh, this has less to do with just straight guarding the ball, and it kind of schemes around that weakness, actually, and allows you to use your guys as help defenders to help slow the dribble penetration down, keep people out of the lane, and lessen your rotations. 100%. And, you know, uh, with a veteran team like what Carolina has, with a lot of guys with a lot of experience outside of Zayden High and Elliott Cadeau, um, there are guys who are – have that knowledge and are capable to help out in those ways with making those rotations, who's got to go where and when. Now, Pac, let's go from the interior back out to the backcourt um, because another thing we were seeing 
is that uh, for those who are unaware, there are a, a gajillion different ways to guard ball screens, right? There's a multitude of how you do it, um, showing, switching, anything like that. A lot of teams now that are running a, a, a lineup that has four guys that can basically guard a multitude of positions will switch. Um, you know, sometimes, and it just depends on who is available in your lineup. If you've got a more slow footed four, a uh, slow footed power forward, you might switch all ball screens position one through three, for example. Well, North Carolina, because of what Harrison Ingram brings as this super versatile uh, small ball four, which by the way, I am Harrison Ingram's about to have a year right here, dude. I'm just telling you that right now. Carolina is out there switching every screen positions one through four, everybody but Armando. And um, so, Pac, that was really interesting to watch because that is a departure from what we typically see in terms of ball screen defense from the Tar Heels, um, similar to, to what you're talking about with the no middles defense, and could, could indicate a change in how the Tar Heels are going to go about guarding screens this year, which is going to be an adjustment for Carolina's opponents, obviously an adjustment for Carolina as well. And I am very curious to see if it's just something that happened last Friday in the exhibition game, or if we'll see that be the way forward for Carolina's ball screen defense. We'll obviously find that out on Monday. Pack, what did you like about what you saw, maybe dislike? And do you think that it is what Carolina is going to do or do something they were tinkering with? I definitely think it's something they're going to do. It's a welcomed, welcomed change. Um, I think, you know, I mentioned earlier, the offense is trying to dictate the defense and to get them into different positions so they can take advantage of it. And in the past, it's felt like we have played defense in order to not make a mistake. Yeah. Uh, we've been more conservative, and this would be us playing defense to make them make a mistake and us trying to be the ones that are dictating um, with ball pressure on switches. And even uh, even though we were just switching one through four, when our, when Baycott was involved in ball screens, he was aggressively hedging and forcing the ball handler away from the basket. And so um, just to see us playing a more aggressive style of defense um, is just, it's music to the ears. It's It's a welcome change. I think with our speed, with our athleticism, and like you mentioned, just having someone like Harrison at the four, this is something we can do, and we can do really, really well. Mm. And that would cause you know issues for our opponents. And so I think um, it's something we're going to see a lot of. I don't know that we'll see it every game, because another thing I think we need to do is have multiple things in our bag defensively. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas last year, we were just kind of set. This is what we were doing. We did it every game the entire season. And that gets real predictable. So I don't know that we'll do it all the time, but I definitely think it's something we'll do, you know, heavily. And um, I'm, I'm here for it. I think it would be great for us. All right. This is definitely going to be something in my what to watch for in part of our preview on Monday show. So keep your eyes out for that. We'll see what's going on with it now. Earlier in the week, I shared my takeaways with all of us from the exhibition win, but now it's time for you to hear from Pac and his takeaways. Does he think that Carolina speed is up to par these days after Carolina not using much tempo lately? You're going to find out about that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Hey, score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, 
new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So maybe you've been thinking about joining FanDuel. Well, let me tell you, now is the time to do it because this action is awesome. Beyond that, their app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options for you. Spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Try this on for size. Right now, they've got the Wooden Award odds available for you. That's college ba- one of the College Basketball Player of the Year awards. Zach Eady from Purdue, the reigning National Player of the Year, plus 155, easily the best odds um, or the greatest chance of winning. Hunter Dickinson now at Kansas, plus 750. Kyle Filipowski from Duke, plus 900. Donovan Klingen from UConn, plus 1,700. And our very own Armando Baycott has the fifth best odds, plus 2,000. So, friends, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today and kick off the NFL season. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Pac, let's get to your takeaways. I've asked Pac to give us three takeaways that he had from watching Carolina's exhibition win last Friday night. Pack, I, I kind of teased it, but I want to know what you thought about Carolina's speed. Yeah, before I get to the speed, can I just give a bonus takeaway real oh, quick? Give us that bonus, what, buddy. Hubert Davis in a blazer? Right. Can, can we get more of that, please? Yeah, uh, I'm unzipping my pullover for that one, man. I love it. I, I need the jacket back, you know, because – I like the classic Roy Williams jacket toss when he got good and fired up. I'd love to see that from Hubert every once in a while. Yeah, and was it? I feel like Coach Davis was in the the sport coat, and the the assistants were all in like quarter zips, like what I'm wearing right now. Yeah, yeah, right. They were, and that's typically what Hubert's in. But I was I was digging it. I was digging the sport coat. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, sport coat or no <laughs> no sport coat on uh, Monday? Mm, I, I think we gotta go sport coat. So gotta go now. sport coat. It's a great look. He's a fancy looking man. I'm here for it. I love your bonus takeaway. Thank you. All right, let's get to the speed of this team. Uh, The speed is unreal. And I'm not talking about the tempo and the pace at which we play. Um, And I will be, but I'm just talking about foot speed. Hmm. Um, That to me has been a real issue with just uh, pure athleticism. You're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Just the way that we can run the floor. um, It was very evident to me um, on Friday when I watched the exhibition, like in the past, you know, guys at the four, like Brady, I love Brady to death. Slow footed. He's slow footed. In high school, Uh, we called those guys dairy cows. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, you know, it's just, we've got one through four on the floor that are capable of staying in front of anybody at any given time. And even Armando has increased his athleticism. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. The most speed that we've had in, well, definitely in Hubert's tenure. And really, if you look at, think about it, probably since the Kobe White team under Roy Williams, this team is fast. And um, why is that important? Well, it's important because we're going to be switching things defensively, like we talked about earlier. And you can't do that without foot speed across the board and the ability to keep people in front of you. Um, it's important because tempo has been a huge um, point of emphasis for the Tar Heels going into this season, and you can't play fast if you're not fast. Hmm. It's hard to it's hard to employ a transition uh, based offense when you can't beat teams down the floor. This team can do that, 
And, um, you know, I just – I was really, really pleased to see that. I think we got more athletic. I think we got faster. And that, to me, was the first thing I took away from it. And it's going to be – I know it's that's sounds maybe like an underrated thing or something no. that's kind of gone under the radar. Speed kills. Speed kills. And, and not just that, but, like, that highlight of Elliot Cadeau going and dunking that basketball – Watch his first step when he puts that ball on the floor. Gone. Blows by that guy. And I know that's not necessarily the caliber of player we're going to see night in and night out. Dude, if you're leaving people in the dust like that, you can go. And that makes a huge difference. Um, And I I just – I think that's something that really stands out about this team. Do you have anything to add to that? The only thing I just wanted to add is that speed was on display – Without Jalen Withers and without Seth Trimble on the floor. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, you add those guys back into the mix and it's all the more. All right. That's that's arguably the two most athletic guys on the team. Bingo. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's your second takeaway? I love it. Uh, Second is I love the way we attack the glass. Um, And it wasn't just the way we rebounded, it was that most every possession, we were getting a body on somebody. And it was like, even if I don't get the rebound, my guy's not going to get it. Exactly. Yep. And I like that because going into this season, you know, the, the talk was, well, we're not going to be as big as we've been. And this is going to be a different lineup for Carolina. Are we going to be able to rebound the ball well? We already didn't rebound it well last year. And so it sounds like to me, or it looks like, that Coach Davis has made this a big point of emphasis. Uh, rebounding the basketball. And you could see that in the way that we played. And, you know, rebounding is more of a, it's more of a heart thing than it is mm. uh, a skill or a technique. It's, it's just a, a want to. And if our guys are displaying that now, that makes me feel good and uh, makes me feel like it's something that we could, what was going to be a potential weakness could be a strength for us. And if we can, if we can turn those weaknesses or minimize weaknesses and even turn them into strengths, that's how you win basketball games right there. And um, so I was encouraged by seeing the way that we blocked out and finished possessions with rebounds. Well, and and what's wild about it is, of course, as we all expected, the leading rebounder in this game was none other than Zayden Zayden. Yeah. Like What? Homie had 11 rebounds. And then you get Harris like – Cause you worry when you have a small ball lineup, when you got Harrison Ingram at the four, you worry about like how you're getting rebounding from the four. My man had nine boards, dude. Like Harrison Ingram is a freight train of a young man. Uh, you talked about Mondo getting in better shape. They were, um, I heard uh, like Jones and Adam on the, on the Carolina insider podcast. were talking about how Harrison has been working to get himself in the best shape of his life. And if those guys are helping Mondo at that rate, and then you add in like, hopefully Jalen, uh, both Jalen's really and a Conquo helping rebound man is great. It's going to be awesome. Okay. Pac, yeah. What's your third one? Uh, third one is chemistry. And mm-hmm. I'm not even talking about what took place on the court. I, I was telling Isaac this on Friday night, but I watch us come out of the timeouts <laughs> and I watch us in the timeouts. I watch us when we're walking to the free throw line, to huddle up. And I just want to see all those little nuances to how we treat each other, how we react to each other. And I'm telling you, man, I saw some stuff I haven't seen in a while. And um, RJ, he was he, his smile, his passion, his chemistry. It just seemed infectious, um, and it seemed like 
you know, it kind of started and flowed from him. And um, that to me was key. It was huge. But a couple things I noticed that stood out to me. Uh, when Harrison got his dunk, Cadeau just flat celebrated it like nobody's business. And I love seeing that. Not just because he was being a great teammate, but I was, to be honest with you, a little worried uh, seeing a freshman as highly touted as him coming off the bench. I was going, well, what, what's his mentality? What's his reaction going to be? Well, he answered that. He was a great teammate, and he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He was always celebrating his guys. I saw him dapping up RJ a time or two. Um, I saw another time when they were exiting a timeout huddle. Harrison Ingram and RJ just had their arm around each other, and they were just chatting it up and smiling. And uh, now I know things went, you know, all in Carolina's favor on Friday. They played really well, so it's easy to have that positive energy. But these guys seem connected, and to me, that is key because. It's not always going to be all Carolina. It's going to be tough. We've got a tough non-conference schedule. We've got a tough ACC slate. Um, the fact that our guys are connected is going to lead to that chemistry on the floor that we need to have that ball movement, that extra pass, the connectedness we need when things get tough. It's just it's it's really really important that these guys bond that way, and uh, I, I think I saw it and. I look forward to seeing more and more of it to kind of know that it's for real. But what these guys showed me on Friday, you know, it, it definitely made me optimistic for the way this team is going to gel. Ooh, Pac, I love it. I'm with you. And, and I love it because I'm sharing that from the standpoint of somebody who observes basketball, uh, at, you know, very closely as often as I can. You're sharing that from some, the, the standpoint of somebody who's watching all of this stuff literally every day of your life. So you know what it looks like when the chemistry's there and you know what it looks like when it's not. And so hearing that come from you, I think is massive, right? Like that is a big, big deal. Let's watch it all season long. See how these guys stay connected and stay together. Now, Pat, this is our last show with you before the tip off of the regular season. So we got to get some last thoughts from both of us on the team before the season begins, including a bold prediction from both of us. Pac told me that his is bonkers, and I don't know what it is yet, and I can't wait to hear it, and I'm sure you can't either. We'll talk about that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers to roof racks, exhaust kits, and more, whether you're into speed or power or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And boy, do I need help because I am not a car guy. I'm so grateful for eBay Motors. And with the eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every single time or you get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. All right, folks. So here's what we're going to do to wrap 
the show today. Each of us is going to give a major storyline that we're watching ahead of this season, not just the Radford game, but the season in totality. And then we've each got a bold prediction for you. And Pac, I'm here to tell you, I just changed mine on the fly in the middle of the show from what I told you it was going to be. So Pac doesn't, I already told Pac mine, but he doesn't know now. But I do not know what Pax is, and I cannot wait. And then we're going to rate each other's uh, bold prediction on a scale of one to, that's okay, to 10, like, boy, that's bonkers. So, Pac, first, and let's go through these storylines pretty quick so we can spend more time in the bold predictions. Give me your okay. major storyline. My major storyline is Elliot Cadeau. Mm -hmm. I, I think his story is fascinating. You know, his reclassification, he's a big-time recruit. Now, as far as we know, he's not starting from a guy that we thought was going to be the least impactful transfer in Paxton Wojcik. And how does he handle that? Well, so far he's handled it great. Uh, he seems like an amazing teammate, and he's ready to go, and he's locked in, and I think that's awesome. I just can't wait to see how this story kind of unfolds as the season goes. I think he's going to be a special player for us. I love it. I think that's great. My major storyline is that for the first time in the Hubert Davis era, the depth is real and Coach Davis is going to use it. Uh, and I know there's this like fool me once, shame on me, whatever. And at this point, it's fool me three times. Uh, and, and I was skeptical last year, but this year I really believe in it. Last year, only seven players averaged double digit minutes and five of those were 30 or more. Um, I think we're legitimately going to see in the range of nine to 10 players averaging double digits. And I know there's only 11 scholarship players. And I legitimately think though, that nine or 10 of them average double digits that has grown even more. So now because of what Zayden high, what we've seen him do consistently at both live action and in the exhibition game, that was going to be my bold take was that um, Zayden high is going to average double digit minutes this season, but I'm, I'm switching off of that. And I'm just including it here in my main storyline that I'm going to say uh, I, I want to watch to see how Coach Davis deploys the bench in a brand new way this year. I think it's for real. All right, Pac, let's get to some bold predictions. I'm. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? I'll let you. Uh, you hit me with yours first. All right. Here is my bold prediction, and then Pac's going to give me a 1 to 10 on 1 is, dude, that's of course going to happen, and 10 is like, Isaac, you're an idiot. That'll never happen. All right. My bold prediction is that Harrison Ingram will record just the third ever triple-double this season in Carolina history. Uh, folks, you might remember there have only been two, and they happened within two weeks of each other in December of 2000. It was Jason Capel with points, rebounds, and assists triple-double, and Brendan Haywood with points, rebounds, and blocks triple-double. Other than that, it has never happened in the recorded history, at least, of North Carolina basketball. Now. Uh, the re part of the reason this is bold is because there have only been two. Another part of the reason it's bold is Harrison Ingram has never hit 10 assists or more in his career. The most he ever had at Stanford was nine in a game. And it's also bold because rebounding, he's, the, he's only hit double-digit rebounds six times in his career. Now, part of this is because he's playing the four. I think he's going to be privy to more rebounds. I mean, again, he got nine in an exhibition game where he didn't play it, have to play a ton. And I think because of how this team is going to share the ball, that there's going to be a possibility for him to get more assists because little, little known fact, the guys at North Carolina can finish at the rim and from the arc better than the guys at Stanford. 
And so that's going to lead to more assists. So my bold prediction, Harrison Ingram, the third ever triple-double in Carolina history. All right, Pac, rank it. Rate it. Uh, I'm going to give that a four. I, I, I think it's a strong possibility. I really do. And Ooh, I don't think okay. that I can rate that any higher because of what my prediction is fixing to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's hear it. Bring it. So my prediction is that at the end of this season, we are going to say Harrison Ingram is the MVP of the North Carolina Tar Heels. Ooh. I, I, some of y'all are going to be like, wow, Pac, I can't believe you're saying that because you're such an RJ guy, and I am a huge RJ guy. But I am in love with the way Harrison plays, and I just think he does so much in so many different areas of the game defensively rebounding, assists, shooting, uh, just so much, man. He's so well-versed in his game that I, I think we look and go, this guy's our most valuable player when it's all said and done. And so – and you basically – you did all the – all my arguing for me. You, you proved my point. So I couldn't have given it much more than a four on the crazy scale um, with, with what my bold prediction was fixing to be. So you tell me what you think mine is. Well, first off, that's wild that I switched mine to what I did and how it lined up with yours. Yeah, I mean, I, I think because you look at it and he's probably, I think most people would say he would be the third or fourth most likely MVP on the team. But the gap that most people perceive from RJ and Armando in whatever order you have them down to probably Harrison or Cormac, I think would be the, the other likely candidate is, is a pretty big gap. And so to make that claim, I, I got to give it, I mean, I'm a professor. I'm always hesitant to give out a perfect score. So because of that, I want to go like 9.5 just to not give you a, a 10. But dude, that is bonkers, but I'm here for it. You know what I mean? Like, because if that's true, I don't think it says anything less about Armando and RJ. I think it's about Harrison's diversity as a player and his ability to affect the game in such a multitude of ways. And so if that proves to be true, whoo, we are in great shape as a team. It's that that you just mentioned and the fact that you've already mentioned this, but he's just surrounded by players that are better than what he's been That's surrounded right. by, which is going to open him up to thrive. And y'all, I'm telling you, this guy's legit. I, I wasn't sold on it, but the more I see, I think he's for real. And I think he's really going to impress this year. Yep. And we've talked about his three-point shooting, uh, grow, his percentage growing as he has better players around him. You saw him shoot it and knock it down like multiple times on Friday mm -hmm. night. Pat, I love it. I'm here for it. Folks, we want to hear your bold predictions for this season. Share them with us. That's it for today's episode. Thanks so much for joining us. You everydayers, we're so glad you're here. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome in. Come back again. Email the show, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. We'd love to talk more with you. You can join our Discord, as we talked about earlier, where we're having conversation all day long. Don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button, and leave comments on your thoughts on today's show. want to remind you that it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. We'll be right back with you tomorrow with Coach Rob having some of these same conversations, actually. We'll be back then, but until Thursday, peace. <laughs>